0: Welcome once again to the Cinephiles, where we're doing this sad duty that we have to do every once in a while. This one, I gotta say, is more of a celebration. We lost the great Olivia De Havilland. She's the yeah. last of the golden age actors mm-hmm. to pass. You know, we 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 commemorated Kirk Douglas, who was just about the same age, a couple years younger, just yeah. six months ago with Spartacus. And you know, I just wanted to take a moment maybe to talk about this era that is passing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, the, 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 the world was so different when Olivia de Havilland was a star from right. how it is today. Mm-hmm. You know, she's part of the studio system. And, and I, 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 you know, I looked up, I didn't know a whole lot about her and I, and I looked up some of her history and she is a fascinating person. Yeah. So her, her mom was an actress. Her mom went to RADA and was in the theater. And so Olivia was not only raised uh, taking ballet classes and singing classes, but she was forced to recite Shakespeare as a, as a five-year-old kid. You
2: know? <laughs> yeah, not a negative. Not a negative, yeah. I think. It's good to be uh, cultured and uh, educated at a young age. And, you know, we've seen that people who are educated, uh, for the most part, uh, have a better life. So getting a jump on it younger is certainly a way to go.
0: Well, and it's also going like, this is the world you're going to go into. Yeah, you know? true. Um, and here's what I didn't know is I knew she was born in England. What I didn't know is that she grew up right near me. She actually, mm-hmm. they, her family moved to the San Francisco Bay Area, and she was down in Los Gatos, which is where my uncle and my cousins live, just in the uh, down in the peninsula, and she yeah she was acting in plays her first play was you know as a kid acting in the community theater mm-hmm. production of alice in wonderland and then she acted in uh she went to mills college which again is in the bay area and she got cast as puck in midsummer's night's dream which yeah. is pretty cool but you know you played in college plays i played in yeah. college plays what we didn't have was that max reinhardt the director did not come to our college plays and Max Reinhardt, the director, wasn't just about to do a production of Midsummer Night's Dream at the Hollywood Bowl.
2: Right, right.
0: And well, he, and he cast her yeah. as uh, as Hermia, to, under, to understudy Hermia. So mm-hmm. she gets discovered acting in a play at Mills College. <laughs> and, of course, as they go to prepare for this production at the Hollywood Bowl, the leads drop out. And so suddenly she goes from college production of Midsummer Night's Dream to production of Midsummer Night's Dream at the Hollywood Bowl. Can you imagine yeah. that?
2: Pretty incredible. And, you know, that's the way life is uh, sometimes when dest- your destiny is there for you. The doors kind of open up and it's about whether you can walk through them or not. And clearly she could and had the talent to do so. And, you know, um, I'm sure she wowed them in that production. I was not there to see it. I had, I had a, I, it was a school night. I couldn't go, yeah. uh, but I'm
0: sure, tickets I'm sure were very expensive
2: because we're very expensive. It was at least uh 25 cents, but yeah, exactly. so it was, so, uh, you know, I'm sure it was an incredible uh, thing to witness. And certainly from there going into what she went into in film and, and what have you. And I want to correct you real quick, Steve, she was born in Japan, actually in Tokyo, oh. not in England, but she was born to English parents, who were living in Tokyo at the time so thank yeah thank you very much she, yeah she's of english descent though so essentially you were correct in that way
0: well no essentially yeah. i was incorrect <laughs> thank <laughs> well, you for I'm correcting cuz that's know. even more that's even more interesting and then and then what happened mm. is is that warner brothers sees this production of of midsummer and says you know Uh, Max Reinhardt, you should make a movie about it. And that's how she gets signed to a Warner Brothers contract. And this is the era of the studio system. This is where actors had basically no control over what they were doing. And she starts playing small parts. She acts with Betty Davis. She acts with some other people. But the big one is Errol Flynn and Captain Blood in 1935. Yeah. This... This
2: starts a relationship with her and Errol Flynn as friends for a very long time. She yeah. had a very strong, almost maternal uh, connection to Errol because Errol was always, you know, he was a party boy. He was getting into trouble, probably getting into situations. Some some warranted, some unwarranted, if you study the the uh, story of Errol Flynn, but she always felt an affinity for him. And you, when you read and research their connection, it's a very sweet friendship. And as you said, Steve, in that studio system time, hardly any second of your of time in your life was yours. And so finding someone who understood it and was also part of the grind of the studio system that you could vent to and feel a connection to must have felt so essential. It's almost like a glorified prison. You know, you, you, you are, you have to take the the lessons. You have to, you know, take whatever jobs they give you. You have to be in whatever films they tell you to be in. You have to do whatever roles they tell you to do. And you have to work with people they tell you to work with. And, you know, you got to work within that system at the time. So finding someone to connect to and someone you have great chemistry with, like Errol Flynn uh, uh, must have been something that uh, was like a light at the end of the tunnel or a respite and oasis in her life.
0: Well, it's such an interesting thing because the, it's not. I mean, everything you say, of course, is true. And they mm-hmm. even tried to control. They said, "This is who you are." You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Right. The studio right. system said, "We see you as the second banana comedian, whatever, or mm-hmm. we see you as the young ingenue, this thing, and we're going to plug you into that position." Mm-hmm. Is it? You know. And it's not that you know actors coming up today. It's not like they have total control over. What movies they get to do right. and stuff they don't. Some, but, they, but yeah, yeah for sure. The most part, they but don't. not when you yeah. start out, you you're gonna right. take. You're right. going to take what you're going to get, and right. certainly people get typecast. But it's not like there is a Jack Warner who's just saying this is who you are. Right. Um, right. But but the relationship with Errol Flynn obviously was a great one. When it comes time to do Robin Hood, uh, yeah. which is the movie we're giving an intro to today, mm-hmm. um, uh, should they brought her back and she's just wonderful as Maid Marian in this. Movie. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Really, really, it's like it's like Margot Kidder and Lois Lane. She's the Maid Marian that everyone is compared to since, in whatever version you watch, she is the uh, the, the the touchstone. You know, you will be compared. You will be compared to Margot Kidder, yep. whoever plays Lois Lane, for the rest of time. And the same thing with uh, Maid Marian. because this film is a classic, and because it's a classic, most people watch it who are cinephiles who love movies. They will go back and revisit this one because it's Errol Flynn at the height of his Errol Flynnness. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's, a, it's Basil Rathbone, who's a great, great actor, becomes a, a who becomes someone they that every Sherlock Holmes uh, care, uh, a portrayal is compared to as well. And so it's it's interesting that they're both in this film, made Mary and uh, I mean Olivia De Havilland made Mary, and then Basil Rathbone who later becomes Sherlock Holmes and all the And then Errol Flynn's Robin Hood, yet another per, uh, every Robin Hood is compared to that Robin Hood as well. So this is an Uh, an incredible film for that reason alone, but there's also fantastic performances all throughout this thing that, and the visuals, which of course, Joe talks about, uh, uh, you know, kind of sticking with him, the reds and the greens throughout the movie, all of that. It's a very vibrant movie for a film and for a time in film when color was still something they were exploring and discovering. And yeah, all of that.
0: Well, it's funny you make the comparison to Superman. I think that is a great comparison Mm. because it's like, this the the this Robin Hood is compared to all other Robin Hoods that pass in the same way that Christopher Reeve Superman is compared to all of yeah, them. and even point. though they're of a certain era, I mean, Christopher Reeve Superman is definitely of the set late seventies. It mm-hmm. definitely has a warm, fuzzy feeling that that we kind of have gone in a darker direction. But I think for at least for our lifetimes, people are going to go well. Is it is is he as good a Superman as Christopher Reeve? Right. Is right. he as good a Robin Hood as Errol Flynn? You know. Yeah. I think that's a a great comparison. And of course, uh David Oselznick sees Olivia in Robin Hood and she says and says, Man, I would give anything to have her play Melanie in Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. But she's signed to Warner Brothers. So she can't do it. Because nice. she hears this 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 quote gets in the gossip columns or whatever, and she goes, So she goes to Jack Warner and says, hey, Jack, I don't think she called him that. Mr. Warner, can you please let me out of my contract for a few months so I can go do Gone with the Wind? Mm -hmm. Because the studios did trades. That was sort of a regular thing. I'll let you use this person and you'll let me use somebody else. And Jack Warner says, no way. Mm -hmm. And so Olivia goes to his wife. Mm. and asks mrs warner um because <laughs> they says, had been friends they had
2: been friends for a little bit yeah
0: and 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 this is what jack warner said he said olivia who had a brain like a computer concealed behind those fawn-like eyes <laughs> simply went to my wife and they joined forces to change my mind <laughs> and that is how she gets on god with the wind yeah. um which obviously is her most famous i would say is the most famous movie that she's in. We've talked a lot about yeah. our feelings about that film. Yeah. But one thing I do remember, I think her character uh, and her relationship with, is it with Leslie Howard? Is that what? Yeah, no, Leslie Howard, yeah. Is way more interesting to me than Scarlet. I always liked her yeah. more than Scarlett. Um, in uh, 42, she's nominated for uh, Hold Back the Dawn for Best Actress. Mm-hmm. And something I didn't mention was that she has a sister who is also an actress, and that is yeah. Joan Fontaine. Yeah. Jane Eyre herself. Yeah, and Joan, oh. Jo, oh, Joan Fontaine is also nominated in the same year. <laughs> it's the only time siblings have ever been nominated against each other. Uh Fontaine is nominated for suspicion. Uh and she wins and she wins the Academy Award and apparently Olivia's quote when it happens is we got it. Which is great. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
2: You know, she was nominated for for Best Sporting Actress for Gone with the Wind as well and lost mm. to Hattie McDaniel. So, I mean, that's in, her co-star in the movie. So that's interesting um, uh, at the timing as well. But her and Joan had a very long um, rivalry for yeah. years, uh, yeah. a professional rivalry and personal rivalry. And, and, you know, you bring siblings into Hollywood. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. But certainly both of them laid uh, a claim to their they were completely different actresses completely different actresses yet siblings so it was uh, always interesting to see them and watch their work and see how different they were through the years you know and, and, and it's, it's, the thing is olivia after the contract is done too and this this speaks to what jack warner the quote you just read steve when olivia is done with the contract the seven-year contract jack warner goes to her and says like you're still under contract to me in my mind you're still on the, and she's like, no. And he's like, well, no, you're going to do what I, and she said, no, she takes him to the California Supreme court. She takes a case against this idea of the studio system to the California, a female actress. Let's get this straight. Cause that's a very strong thing to point out. A female actress takes Jack Warren, this powerful mogul, to the Supreme court to get out of this contract and get out of this idea that she needs to be uh, you know, held to this contract for seven calendar years. And she ends up winning the case in the California Supreme court. So pretty incredible stuff, man.
0: Well, and what I love is Jack Warner's reasoning of why he, he could hold her was well, she had refused to do a couple of movies. And so <laughs> he said, you're not allowed to do that. You owe me six more months. Right. Did you, ex- did you exercise your free will? Oh, <laughs> hell no. I yeah. own you. Yeah, um, uh, she wins two Academy Awards in her career. She continues. She turned down the role of Blanche Dubois in Streetcar, uh, which is crazy. And then she goes to Cannes in the early 50s and falls in love there falls in love with france mm-hmm. and as her career is beginning to wane it's much much harder for actresses of her age to get good yeah. roles in the late 50s and early 60s in 65 she was the president of the Cannes film festival wow. she's the first woman ever to do it yeah. uh which is really cool and then you know she was acting in tv up until the late 80s mm-hmm. and
2: 88 then was her last
0: credit i think yeah finally retired what i didn't know is you know there was just that uh Betty and, few, Betty and Joan, yeah, thing on FX. She, she sued them for using yeah. for portraying her. She sued FX at the age of 101. Don't mess with the lady,
2: don't mess with Olivia yeah. de Havilland. She is not just this nice little waifish because she is a, like you said, a computer behind those steel eyes, man. It's, it's great.
0: Well, I mean, then you got to be. You think about a woman in the coming into the studio system in the mid 30s, a very young woman, yeah, and and having to at least try to control her own destiny yeah and and i think in a weird way that relates to the movie that we're seeing today which is talking about today which is robin hood where when we meet maid marian she buys into the system you know she buys into what's going on and then she has to learn that what she's been raised to believe is not what's really happening and then man she is the true hero of robin hood in my opinion It's a great point, Steve. Yeah, she
2: kind of uh, forces, when she pushes off Prince John, she kind of goes with Robin, risks her status, risks everything because she knows what's right. And so she wants to do, and you can see it in her eyes. And it's really when when you see probably Olivia, and how can I say this correctly? Not necessarily that she isn't acting, but you get to see Olivia, like the real Olivia in those burning moments with those eyes of hers when she's defiant, you know, when she's uh, forceful in what she wants to have or wants to see happen. And uh, it's great to watch that. And those are things you fall in love with when you sense the energy of a person underneath the character that if it touches you or if it connects with you, then you are a thousand percent in uh, with that actor. And so she has that throughout this movie and you're absolutely right. She's actually the real hero of
0: the piece. She rescues Robin Hood. Yep. And, and, and I had to say, so, so uh we're re re releasing our Robin Hood episode today. This was a really special one for me to record. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, we had Joe Mantegna as a guest, Joe had acted for me in the assistance. Uh, we, we had first met him. Karen had worked on um, Joan of Arcadia that was one of our very first casting jobs that he was an actor in, right. and he is just the loveliest, sweetest. <laughs> I mean, all that stuff about stars and there can be difficult, and that that is not Joe Montaigne. It was right. he welcomed. I mean, you remember he welcomed yep. us into his office and very kind, was as warm. And, and it was so. What was so cool about the episode was just his love for this film and for Errol mm-hmm. Flynn and, and feeling that. Hearing him getting to talk about that was just, it was great.
2: Yeah. I mean, you could tell how much it really moved him and affected him and how much he loved this movie. Look, Steve, we're all going to get to Joe Mantegna's age one day. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the older, the film that really did it for us. And we're going to talk about it in reverential tones and hushed tones. And it won't matter what we've accomplished. We'll be reduced back to being that kid who watched it for the first time. And you will when you listen to this episode or re-listen to this episode, for those of you who've heard it before, catch that twinkle in Joe's voice, catch that you'll you almost see it in his eye. If you visualize it, catch the twinkle in his voice when he's talking about this movie, when he slides back into that place where he was as a kid, when he first discovered this movie and how it influenced him and affected him. And, and uh, you know, uh, just kind of has stayed with him ever since.
0: I, I think it's, I just have this image of him seeing this movie in black mm. and white on a little TV. And yeah. I remember he told the story about him seeing it in the movie theater in color for the first time. Yeah. And then, right. and, you know, and, and reading Errol Flynn's book and that, you know, like that, that, you know, you and I've talked about our a whole bunch of our kid movie moments where yeah. we, our yeah. eyes were opened up, whether it was seeing, you know star wars or star trek or superman or uh, both of us seeing citizen kane for the first time Mm -hmm. and that that was that moment for joe Montana, and that led to his whole career and it's and it's so funny too because you go like if you were going to compare joe Montana, what kind of actor is he i don't think we would have ever come up with errol flynn no right and yet that is his inspiration and it's just so yeah, it, it, this was a this was a special very special episode for me. It might be the episode that I was most nervous for to record. Oh
2: yeah. Well, I, let me tell you something Santa Falls fans. Having been in the room with him and before it all happened, uh yes, he, he Steve was this is the most nervous Steve has ever been before any recording of this show.
0: Well, because I didn't want to blow it, you know what I mean? Like, right, I know that if I if I stumble and with Scott Mance, you know, mm-hmm. he, he might give me he might give you a little shit, but he's not right. gonna. But but if we came in not looking like pros with Joe montegna or if we messed up the recording, or it was yeah. gonna be bad. So I went over yeah. my notes really carefully, <laughs> um, and we were both like, "Don't mess this up." And we've talked about right. we're we're trying to you know Joe just retired from um, Criminal Minds. Mm-hmm. or didn't retire the show ended and so his schedule has opened up a little bit again so we're, we, I, i've reached out to him and hopefully we'll have another joe yeah. montagna episode on the cinephiles it's, I, it, w- it would be so great i agree a thousand percent yeah so uh without further ado in honor of the great olivia de Havilland, uh we return to sherwood forest joe montagna and the adventures of robin hood John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old. And this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap Thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode.
1: <laughs> Welcome to Sherwood, my lady.
0: Hello and welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where each week we enter the world of a great film, we explore its themes, its history, the filmmaking, and the influence it has on us today. My name is Steve Morris, I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in
2: Los Angeles, California. Hello everyone, my name is John Rocha, I'm a voiceover actor, host of numerous shows, and occasionally an on-camera actor in California. And I say that with a little bit of shame, and with our guests sitting in front of us, that I can even say that. But uh, we'll see if I make it through the podcast uh,
0: not going insane about it.
3: You can say it. I'm an, an occasional on-camera actor myself. <laughs> it's, a, it's just a question of how you, occasional. That's right. <laughs> um, it's a
0: relative you, term. And you've already heard his voice. We're so thrilled to welcome uh, an actor who's – I, I was looking at your list of credits. I can't possibly list them all here. They're way too long. But an actor who's worked uh, extensively with David Mamet. You got a, you got a Tony for uh, Richie Roma, which is in one of my favorite plays, Glengarry Gunross ross and, of course – Movies like Godfather Three, Forget Paris, The Star, CBS Criminal Minds, Fat Tony on The Simpsons, which is very important to all of us, and of course, you acted for me in uh, my film The Assistance. I'm very happy to welcome Joe Montagna to the Cinephiles.
3: Thanks, Steve. Glad to be here.
0: Uh, I'm thrilled. And and when we first started talking about you coming on the show, you instantly, instantly responded. The movie you wanted to do was 1938, Errol Flynn, The Adventures of Robin Hood.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and and I'm so curious. It's obvious that you have a real connection in this film, and I want to. How did you first
3: come to it? What what is the importance of this film in you your life? You know what I. It, how I first came to it, in a way, justifies my um, lack of prejudice between television and film. Mm. You know, I grew up in an era, especially being an actor, that. Uh, there was this whole period for many years where you were either if you were going to be an actor you were were, let's say you were either a stage actor you had like three options you were a stage actor and they thought of you as that you were a tv actor you know somebody who just did kind of tv shows and stuff or you were a film star film actor and and there were those three definitions and and very often that twain did not meet uh obviously things have changed immensely today but back then it was like that. But. What I discovered and what I've realized is that um, I discovered most of my favorite movies through television. Because sure, first me of all, As a kid, I, the, the kind of where I discovered movies was like on late night TV, you know, there'd be movie nights and all that on, on television like at 10.30 in Chicago. This was in Chicago back at 10.30 after the news. Chicago, the news comes out at 10. And at 10.30, they'd, they'd usually run movies. Or on Saturday afternoons, they'd run movies. Right. Uh, and so... I got exposed to the movie Robin Hood. It was, I didn't even... I'd have a color TV then, you know, and and that's so that's what it, I was wondering if you yeah, had seen it black and white. No, first. I saw it first in black and white because I remember the first color TV our family had. I bought it because I had took a my, my dad he had been uh, he had been disabled most of his life, so we you know we, we never have a lot of cash. And I remember I took a student loan to go to my first year of uh, acting school, and I, I borrowed more than I needed, and I used part of the money to get a color TV for my family because <laughs> I was still living at home. I said, hey, at least we're going to do this." Let's use some of this government money for something, you know. If the acting thing doesn't work out, at least we've got a TV. You know, that I can pay on time with low interest. <laughs> so um, so, we, so, to see it in black and white, all I can say is when I first saw the movie, it was like, you know, it was the music. I mean, first of all, you know, those were the days when themes, you know, movie themes were really movie themes, were huge orchestrations. Right. And here was this guy, Earl Flynn, and here was this whole you know, it was just from beginning to end. It was this fantasy. I mean, it was like a, it was like a, a Grimm's fairy tale in a way, come to sure. life. So I, I, got hooked on it right away. Just even in the black and white version, and it was one of those things that it, then it progressed from there. So in other words, as I got older, so like I barely discovered the movie. I was probably, you know, ten years old or twelve years old, let's say. You know, it was just amazed by just the fun of it and the fantasy of it. But then as I got older and I got more into acting couple things happened. First of all, like I said, we got the color TV, so I'm sure I saw some bad kind of version of it because the color TV back then was really bad, you know, but, but at least I saw it. But then I remember I was uh, I was in acting school at the time, and I remember there were going to be there was this theater in Chicago called the Clark Theater, and what they would do was run old movies yeah. like you know for, right. you know and, and so I remember they advertised we're going to have Robin Hood and we're going to show it in the original Technicolor you know right. a, a, a print that we've kind of restored and all and I for me that was a big deal, and so I went to see that and to see it on a big screen, with in that great old technicolor where the the reds yeah. are like jumping out at, at you and stuff right. and then the music they'd piped up the music i mean I, I was like weak in the knees seeing that version and then from that i got this huge interest in errol flynn just i started watching all his movies and then uh his book he has a book called my wicked wicked ways and i got i read the book and i got obsessed with the book to where i was actually looking th- i'd go through old bookstores and if i could find hard copies of it yeah. i buy them and what's funny is it went out of print and I, I think I've got about three hard copies of it and they're probably worth you know more than like you know things that I might think are valuable in my life but these books only because I was so fixated on, on this and it, and, it, and to wrap it up bottom line is what it ultimately led to is jump cut to you know just a few years ago when I was you know fortunate enough to be awarded a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame and given the choice where I wanted it to be, I said, if there's a spot next to Errol Flynn, I'll take it. Wow. And there was, and there is. And <laughs> if you walk down Hollywood Boulevard, you walk over Errol Flynn, and then next step, you walk over me. That's, that's
0: great. What What is it about Errol Flynn that fascinated you so much?
3: I think what it was is he, to me, he was the epitome of what? If you're going to look in a dictionary under, what's a movie star? Yeah. That would be, for my, I would say, uh, Errol Flynn. Because he had, he was the whole package. I mean, he was good looking. He was dashing. He was, he had this thing about him. Then when I read his book, it just amplified it all. Because this guy, the book was called My Wicked, Wicked Ways. And was it ever. I mean, this guy, I mean, he, 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 he. He lived this incredible life off screen that was much more colorful and interesting than any role he played. And and in a way, I think it's because I didn't live a life like that. I mean, I like to think <laughs> I had a pretty exciting life, but not nothing like I'm no Errol Flynn. But I certainly vicariously lived through he, kind of that book and what he did and some of the stories in that book. And he was one of the few guys that had, did not have a ghostwriter. I mean, and, and, and that was a point that he made of it in the book that he wrote that book. And I just thought, and you can tell, by just the way you read it, that it was a guy. These are his own words. This yeah. was not somebody trying to glorify his life, because he really wasn't. It wasn't the kind of book where it's like, oh God, well, how great that I did this. It was more all about some of the really bad stuff, the crazy right. stuff yeah. he did, and he and he died young, uh, relatively young. I think he was 50, 50, 51 or fifty-two or something like that. Um, and uh, it, it's as I said, it just throughout my life, I, I've, you know, even though I. As an actor, and also I felt in a way he got cheated as an actor, because I think he got typecast in the days right. when well, you would be typecast. And well, so that Robin
0: Hood role, I mean, well, yeah, sure, Robin I Hood.
3: I mean, that kind of said. I mean, Captain Blood, which he did before yeah. that. I mean, and but, but almost all the, the they died with their boots on. I mean, all the move, the movies he played, they were all big action kind of. Yeah, he's yeah. either a cowboy or a pirate or, a, or or a robber in Sherwood Forest or wherever it might be. So very rarely did he get a chance to do dramatic stuff. But when he did, he was really great. I mean, he did the one movie where uh, he he got to play John Barrymore. But the movie wasn't even about him; It was about his his, his daughter. Mm. Uh, and uh, but he but he, you can just see in that movie, even just a little bit of that movie. a little bit of that part that he played in the movie that he had the chops to be a much better dramatic actor. In a way, I think that's kind of led to his downfall. I mean, he became a terrible alcoholic and all that and I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he... He was phoning it in. I mean, some of the stories, I mean, with him and and the Warner Brothers, working at Warner Brothers, and and fights he would have with Betty Davis because he was a bigger box office star, and yet he actually envied her for the kinds of roles she got, and she hated him because he was a bigger star than her, but uh, not, so she envied him and one way and he envied her the other way and so never that twain shall meet with that yeah well I think it's this
0: this myth about Hollywood and this world that we occupy people have this idea that you're
3: going to go be successful and then everything's going to be okay Oh, yeah. no in yeah. fact there is there is a line in the book which is really amazing he says here I am I'm on the top of the world it was at a time when he like things couldn't have been better in his career he was like st- starring in whatever movie it was that might have been Robin Hood he had every woman in the world. I mean, there's the phrase in like Flynn was because yeah, of him, yeah. you know, all of it. He says, so he, he says in the book, so here I am. Everything is right in my life. Why am I sitting in my bedroom on the corner of the bed with a barrel of a gun in my mouth? Wow. And, and, and literally he, he got to that point. Right he, he He put a barrel of gun in his mouth and and thought about killing himself. Mm. and then you start to read about it, and you understand that he just had a lot of demons and this that and the other as as do m- most people, you know have demons, uh, and he was not exempt. And so all that kind of h- humanized him for me, though of course, yeah. I never got to meet him. He's still a mythical figure. Mm-hmm. maybe in a way that's why I still have such a you know admiration for him because I never got to know him personally. Right. It's all due to you know the, the medium.
0: It's, it's funny, I, it never occurred to me because I never knew any of this or your relationship to him, but it occurs to me now that the character you played in The assistance is this guy who is from the outside very successful he's a womanizer and inside he's a deeply unhappy person right and i don't know if you thought about any of that i certainly didn't
3: i I, you know i mean now that you mention it i could say think to myself yeah i probably did channel some of that in the sense of like I probably would attracted me to the role in a way even you know because there's that complexity there's that thing that dichotomy of of things which are always the great things to play in in any role you know you always want to play against what's the obvious or be able to have those two sides of a character
0: Absolutely. So, yeah. John, do you remember how you first came to Adventures of Robin Hood? <laughs> I don't
3: know if I can follow that up, but yeah. <laughs> I,
0: it was very similar, actually, to... to
2: uh, can I say Joe? Is that all right? Yeah, please to, do. to Joe's uh, uh, exposure to the film, because growing up in D.C., it, you know, we had black and white television as well. WDCA 20 was what showed all the old films, and you'd watch them on Saturday afternoon. So, But my first exposure to it was in Looney Tunes, when you saw that, oh, like, yeah. Welcome to Sherwood, that Bugs Bunny cartoon right. where he You're swings right. in. You're and right. I was like, oh, I remember being a kid. And then when the movie... Like I think I was just randomly watching movies on a Saturday afternoon, and it came on, and I in black and white, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that looks so similar to." And then it wasn't until later that I saw it at theaters and like with the revival houses, and, and really exploring the. Technicolor uh, of the film and the, the vibrancy and everything about it, and I became just as interested in 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 Errol Flynn as well growing up because I was into the old old school hearing all because I used to manage a bookstore so we used to sell all those biographies of the and right. I so he would sit and read them and My Wicked Wicked Ways is one that people came and bought all the time there in D.C. So it was interesting and I think they did a TV movie they did based on his life. which I, wasn't a hundred percent great. No, but it was no. There, in fact,
3: know? I knew I'm trying to think of his name, but I knew the actor who played yeah, the part and yeah. he, he looked good. He really did. I knew the guy. Like, I mean, it's based on his name, though, yeah. uh, because he was also an artist. He he yeah. actually drew art and stuff. Was and he was very good. Uh, but yeah, it, it would have been a difficult movie to capture anyway. But it, you know, they gave it a shot. But I don't. I mean, I didn't. For me, it was all about the book because sure. that, yeah. that's the kind of book that when you read it, I, I, I now I, I have picture to read him yeah, doing I read it. it. I picture him doing all this stuff. And, and some of the stuff he did was just i mean he killed a guy I thinks yeah his so
2: car i think right well no or i think was,
3: it was he? He, no he's actually he you know he grew up he, he the first chapter is called the Tasmanian devil <laughs> because he grew up in Tasmania oh, yeah. because hollywood made it like when he when he you know the Hollywood press machine made it like Harold Flynn. He's he's from Ireland, and <laughs> right. you know he's an Irish actor. And he says, hey, he, he was not from Ireland. He was right. he was born in Tasmania because his father was a like an oceanographer or something. Right. He wow. had some real crazy job like that. Right. So he grew up in Tasmania. But there was this thing where he was like, when he was a young man, they were, they were going through the jungle and they were looking for coconut fields or something like that, or they were <laughs> and whatever something happened natives started the whatever and there was a gunfight in sudan so he's not yeah. sure but he thinks they killed a guy i mean well, guy, he, he off, had to man. shoot and run and yeah right he, he went off and like you know sailed
0: from like tasmania to papua new guinea or something some yeah well he was a great yeah, sailor he had yeah.
3: a, a he uh his name of his boat was the sirocco mm. and he was very uh he actually then wrote another book i which i have a copy of too um uh, I can't think of the title of it, but but mm. it's all about his his adventures on his boat.
2: Yeah, right. you know, and
3: it's more just that. Yeah, uh, but he was yeah he was a wonderful sailor. He loved that. Spent a lot of time in the and. Well, all over with that boat. Yeah.
2: My mom was a massive fan of Errol Flynn, so we would see all his stuff, sure. what you were mentioning, right? Oh, Captain great. Blood, they dive their boots on. Him and Tyrone Power were the two that yeah, my exactly. mom absolutely loved. Exactly. So, yeah,
0: That's the classic stuff. Yeah. The, so I'm, my story's going to be real short because it's the same. Oh, right. Saturday morning TV, somewhere between the Shirley Temple movies and the Bowery Boy movies oh, and goodness. the Rabbit and Costello movies, yeah. they would play these adventure ones. And here's the thing for me is that I must have watched it a whole bunch as a kid. Mm hmm. I don't think I'd watched it since. Really? Yeah. So, so for wow. me, this was it was this weird sensation watching it again of I didn't remember anything, and everything was familiar. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh
3: yeah, and and the actors. I mean, you had Claude oh, Rains, yeah. who was oh, so fantastic. Basil Rathbone. Mm-hmm. I mean, we did an episode of Criminal Minds about six, seven years ago, and then we hired this young actor who was wonderful, and he was. Basil's grandson. Oh wow, oh, cool! And his last name was Rathbone. And I was like, I was like, more excited to be working with him. You know, he was all excited to work on the show. And I'm saying, don't oh, forget it, man! I can't match Mike's. I've been working <laughs> with one of the Rathbones. You know, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. You know, I mean, your grandfather was a god to me. You know, right? right. So, so I, I, did some research as
0: I always try to do. Mm. And here's the one thing that came up that I thought was so interesting, which is, you know, we did uh, for Holy Grail and for Excalibur. Yeah. I we did I did a lot of research on King Arthur. And what I discovered doing this is that Robin Hood is very similar in the sense that he is a you know a mythic character of of English stories that mm-hmm. evolved over time, just like King Arthur did. Yeah. And at each stage, as each new era happened, new ideas were inserted into the Robin Hood myth, just mm-hmm. like with King Arthur. So stealing from the rich and Robin Hood the poor that came in when ethics. the same time that might for right came in for King Arthur and the romantic maid marrying stuff that wasn't in the original stories. It came in when the Guinevere. Stuff was coming in for right. King Arthur. Right. Is that the each era imposed their ideas? onto this character until you get finally to Sir Walter Scott and Ivanhoe. And that's really where it gets solidified with all the King Richard stuff. And mm. and that's sort of the kind of the image of this character we have today, but he's really this amalgam. And and by the time we get to you know the 1930s, uh, Warner Brothers at that time is really famous for gangster films and Busby Berkeley movies. Like yeah. those are the big things that are happening then. And the with the Hayes code coming in, there's all this censorship, they go, oh maybe we gotta lay off some of the gangster pictures. And it's just as technical Comes and they, they have this idea we're going to do Robin Hood and I was shocked to discover <laughs> who was originally supposed to be cast as Robin Hood yeah James Cagney James Cagney oh my god <laughs> that would have been Cagney. a whole
3: other movie right <laughs> right
0: I, I, insane well he's their biggest star yeah, of course at the time you dirty right <laughs> Marion <laughs> you're rich on you I just <laughs> the idea of Cagney playing yeah. this role oh yeah
3: he'd have been, you know he'd have been good in the sword fighting scenes <laughs> yes though, he could because move because he could dance his ass off yeah you know, absolutely so, yeah. so I mean uh, but uh, things happen the way they're supposed to <laughs> right happen. yeah he's a he, diminutive guy he, yeah, yeah so no exactly everybody had been standing on like soap yeah, you know, little right.
0: soap boxes, he, yeah. <laughs> so, but he has a big fight with Jack Warner at the time, so he's out. Oh wow! And, and Errol Flynn had really come from nowhere. Hmm. Like I, my understanding is that he just had a, you know, cent- essentially a nobody actor and had a screen test for Captain Blood.
3: Yeah, yeah like his, yeah he was all he had really going for him was his good looks and stuff like that mm-hmm. and when he came to Hollywood he was kind of like banging around and did some small stuff but you know eventually he got a you know one thing led to another and I think he had like he like I said he had that kind of dashing leading man look Absolutely. already yeah. and, and what I loved about him is he had that that personnel that's the other thing about actors and actresses from that era unlike today where you can you know flick flick on any whether a podcast a TV show a interview show you you know who your, the stars are from television and and, and film, uh, you see the personal side of them. Mm-hmm. In other words, right. you, you you have a million opportunities to see what they are as people beyond their work. Back then, no. So I mean, Errol Flynn, to me, he only existed on film. Right. right? Yeah. Like what what is Errol Flynn like off camera? Who knew? Yeah. And and there was rare times when I was able to catch footage of like old clips of like, when they, especially when when they came out with those those kind of collections later of, you know, Hollywood is the great years of Hollywood and they would show yeah. little clips of, you know, and here's Errol Flynn, you know, showing right. up at some yeah. charity thing and then yeah. he says a couple of words on, off camera and you're like, wow, he actually, well, look at him, he's wearing regular clothes and you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And that's kind of, that, I think that helps perpetuate the myth of these kinds of yeah. actors mm-hmm. because you only knew them as the, these, these kind of supernatural beings that they were on yeah.
0: film you know well now we're in the opposite world where every little oh God. Detail is yeah. horrible
3: well yeah. yeah i mean well now with the internet and this then yeah and also to, to become a star you become a huge star just by being who you are I yeah mean, it's like nuts you know its personalities are, are driving it as uh so whatever it's it's a different it's time world different in, thing yeah. you know
0: Yeah, so so, uh, originally William Keeley is the director, and he directs essentially half the film, it seems like, and then he, the movie's going way over budget, it's over schedule, and they bring in Michael Curtiz, who's, you know, one of our great, and I think- underrated direct he's, Absolutely. he's one that we don't talk about in that list of John mm-hmm. Ford and Howard oh Hawks I agree with you he's yeah. so good and
3: as I recall too Curtiz, you used to have like a deal with Flynn too mm-hmm. that if he would just stay sober until till <laughs> they, <laughs> till they wrapped he would go drink with him afterwards because Flynn hated to drink alone oh there <laughs> uh, we go uh, uh, you know yeah. so it was like okay and he says that's what kind of worked because mm-hmm. they had already worked together you know before and so they, they knew each other was if coming. you
2: have a proclivity for depression the last thing you want to do is drink alone yeah you know you exactly. want someone around so to, to, you don't put the barrel in your mouth by yourself. You know? Right.
0: It's, it's good advice. <laughs> yeah, always good advice. <laughs> um, uh, should we get into the movie? Yeah, yeah sure. Uh, so we open on this parchment in our classic uh, 1938 romantic adventure style. Um, and we immediately have this announcement that Richard was uh, King Richard was captured during the Crusades. And we meet our bad guys right away. King John and Guy of Gisborne. Claude Rains, yeah, and Basil
3: Rathbone, yeah. I mean, the best, probably the two, two, two of the greatest villains in the history of film. Yeah, and what a, what, I mean, and, and a nice. What's nice is they counterbalanced each other. I mean, one guy's kind of this little kind of Weasley kind of guy, and yeah. Rathbone was this kind of distinguished, kind of, right? You know, da, 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 da. I mean, I remember Errol in Wicked, Wicked Ways. He talks about the sword fights in that movie, mm. and he says it was really tough on him because you know Errol be have had been coming off a binge the night before (laughs) and now he's got a sword fight and of course he would just learn as much as he needed to learn and he says rathbone really took it seriously and rathbone really was good at it otherwise was one of those guys that studied it yeah and so he says in those fights he'd be like harold was just like i just want to get through this you know uh, this guy could kill me if i if i let him go you know
0: boy that's dead the last thing i want to be sword fighting with (laughs) is a drunk guy just trying to get through it exactly (laughs) Uh, that's brutal
3: but yeah but I thought that they were so great Claude Rains and Rathbone together mm. because they were just just per- were perfect kind of foils for well of not. course because I hadn't seen it in
0: forever of course I remembered Basil Rathbone I had forgotten that it was Claude Rains oh, yeah. yeah and I, you know having watched him in Casablanca and Lawrence of Arabia mm. we, we did Mr. Smith Goes to Washington yeah, yeah. for the right. show and like what an amazing actor oh, he is oh great actor just unbelievable yeah, range absolutely and,
2: and it, when you cast two actors like that you want them not to play the same type of villain exactly. right? and you get he's more effeminate Claude Rains exactly he's really, oh let him talk I want exactly. to hear what he has to say oh and yeah Ra- Rathbone is more like a, like even when he challenges him later in the film he's like all up on Claude Rains which you're like so surprised by but it's the power of Rathbone you know you do Sherlock Holmes later in life like, yeah. he's just one of these guys that just has that, that yeah. magnetic personality it was personality, almost like good yeah. cop bad
3: cop
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, absolutely. So we go into a, There's a montage of the Normans going off after the Saxons to raise taxes, which is fairly br- brutal. Yeah. And then we get the arrival of Robin Hood and Will Scarlet. <laughs> uh, and I just found out that David Niven was supposed to play Will Scarlet. Oh wow!
3: Now then, he they would he'd have been a good he, job. He'd mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. done a good job. And they were all close. They were all members of the same club. They called I think they were called the Olympiads. They had a, they all hung out at. at um, was called mulholland house which was mm-hmm. errol's house oh, wow. and they it was like a it was it was david niven it was errol flynn it was john barrymore uh wc fields all these wow. they were all, all drinkers can you imagine being at that party oh, Just hanging out. man i i dream about it yeah. i dream i'm wrong i'm born in the wrong time definitely <laughs> i really i i see myself with those guys but but yeah but i can see niven playing uh, will scarlet yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, not that there's anything wrong with the guy. That no, the played guy was him. great. He's well, great. He was.
3: Everybody's great. No, yeah. no bad actors in that movie. No.
0: Yeah, uh, we see that this character Much, who's from the old ballads of Robin Hood, has, kill, has poached a deer, and Robin shoots that arrow out of guy's hand, and just is right up on him. Right. I. Yeah, this is the thing about Robin Hood. Throughout this movie, he's like, "Dude, what are you doing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, What's your plan here?" Yeah, this is before Kevlar. You know, he's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's taking a chance. Uh, uh, yeah, he, he, he confronts Basil. He. He and he and finally he says, Oh, he shot him he shot the deer for me. He's my servant
3: right, right. and saves the guy's life. But this, and he does it with a smile on his face too. Yeah. That's what I love. Throughout about the whole Flynn, always just yeah. like ha ha ha. Showing all those those million dollar teeth and say
0: like unbelievable.
2: But this is what works if you look at the history of Robin, because he's the son of a lord. He he right. feels that like the, the people are his crew, but right. he is a rich, so he his legitimately white privilege back in nineteen thirty eight storming into areas completely unafraid, not having an issue with it. And I love that because you go along with him because you're right. His, looks and his teeth and everything about it you're just like i would follow this guy everywhere so when much says to him you know i'll uh i just i, I pledge mean, yeah. my sword to you i'll
0: follow you it was like it. sinatra yeah yeah right well there's you know there's some people that are just yeah. like this that yeah. have this kind of confidence yeah. yeah maybe a little overconfidence for robin a few yeah. times yeah um we go back to King John. They're having a big feast. Uh, there's, we're getting some guys swearing loyalty and everyone's... And we get the sense that we're not such a big fan of Richard. you know? Right. And yeah. Um, and we meet uh, Maid Marian for the first time. Oh, Olivia de Havilland. Oh, yeah. Did you get to meet her?
3: No, I I, I uh, never got to meet Olivia de Havilland. Did uh, you recently pass? Or last year? year?
0: Oh, last year at a hundred and one wow, years old. It's yeah. amazing. What's
3: funny? My mom passed this year at a hundred and one years old. Oh, oh wow. wow! So there's there's, there's that connection. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she was just what was great about her too is that she wasn't. She's this beautiful woman, but yet not in the classic sense. No, she's she has her own... that kind of vulnerability. She was not like a this va-va-voom kind of like a you know rita hayworth type you know and she was so she was perfect as maid marion she's
0: she's amazing and had a long uh multiple movies with errol flynn right that became she was in captain blood with him and Mm -hmm. that became just a a, a thing going on um Guy tells Sir John about Robin, and we're like, okay, we've got to arrest this guy and bring him in. Um, there's also, you know, it seems as if King John is sort of pushing Maid Marian onto Guy. Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem that into it.
3: Yeah, no, Guy. I think he was asexual. Anyway. <laughs> I, I, I get the feeling, you know. Um, but also, we see her be like
2: violently against the Saxons, like right? She's, absolutely. Like she's I'm a Norman, that Saxon swine. Like she, you, you, That's something. That's something you don't see a lot of the Maid Marian's that they do in the modern interpretation, certainly not in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, right? <sighs> You're right. This is a, a they, harder They were Marion smart enough. Seen. I mean,
3: I think, you know, you think about it. Yeah. This is a time when, you know, you got like Scott Fitzgerald and guys like that were writing scripts back then. Yeah, you know what I mean? We right. had guys that were actually bringing a little more to these screenplays than than Meet the Eye. Yeah. You know, yeah. a little more layered. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Yeah. And now we get another great <laughs> Robin Hood entrance. entrance right? This is my yeah. favorite. This Of his three big entrances, uh, this is my favorite. Open the door. Barreling through that door with the big deer on his shoulders.
1: Oh
3: my God! <laughs> he just flips it off his shoulders, and it was like, yeah, uh, unbelievable. With with that great, great score, it's uh, Eric Korngold. Right. I mean, it just—it's
0: so. This is a hero has walked in. And he has once again walked into a situation (laughs) where you're like, how are you going to get out of this, Robin? Oh yeah, What's your plan here? Yeah, he'll he'll find a way. (laughs) He always does.
4: Brings her, Robin, food. At once, do you hear? Such impudence must support a mighty appetite. True enough, your highness. We Saxons have little to fatten on by the time your tax gatherers are through. So you think you're overtaxed, eh? Overtaxed, overworked, and paid off with a knife, a club, or a rope. Why you speak treason? Fluently. <laughs> <Yes>. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Come
3: on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, that's what I mean. That's what That's what. I, also the other thing about the movie that I love is the times where it gets, where they push the envelope of corny. Yeah. Where they push the envelope of being like, over the top. It's like this, when the scene comes later when he's doing the, 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 the um, you know they come up with this bright idea yes of course he's going to enter the you know the, the, the archery contest. Right, right. So but for him to actually he'll, he, he gives that look like when he you know realizes that <laughs> right, they're right on to him. him. It's like oh please of course you know <laughs> they're on to you. You know what I mean? Those But those moments are priceless. It's almost mm-hmm. like almost melodramatic. Mm-hmm. but it's, you, it, it helps. Though. But, it's We're not you know we're not well, the, doing the, the, s- 60s realism here. What right, 60, right. 30s Man, here. <laughs> this is all balls out. Let's do it. <laughs>
0: well, this is it's like it's like a superhero movie today. It's yeah. like this is we're not right. we're not trying to have realism. Exactly. This yeah. is a this is a hero. This is a swashbuckler, mm. and and just you say similar moment here. He's sitting eating his dinner, right? And he looks out and sees oh, they're closing that gate and the right. guards are moving around here. Right. He knows it's coming, yeah, right? And yet he still keeps talking. Yeah. And you even he essentially says right to the king's face, "I'll organize
4: revolt." Exact a death for a death. And I'll never rest until every Saxon in this shire can stand up free men and strike a blow for Richard in England. Have you finished? I'm only just beginning. From this night on, I use every means in my power to fight you.
2: Yeah, and and this scene is really effective at laying the relationship that he's going to have with Guy, with Prince John, and with Maid Marian. Because even when he, because sna- Maid Marian kind of snaps at him, and he snaps back, mm-hmm. and uh, Prince John brings, points that out and goes, "Oh, listen, Guy can't say a word to her, but this guy comes in and swaggers, and then he kicks the Lord out and sits down and starts eating heartily." And you see this relationship that he's developing with everything that's going to carry through the whole movie, and it's established right there without needing to say
3: exposition. It's right. just all in exactly interaction, right. And yep. that's the brilliant way to do it. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, yeah, and I give Curtiz a lot of credit for that. I mean, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
0: and Curtiz did, it, my understanding is that uh, Michael Wheelie, Wheeler, wait, what's his name? Michael Wheeler. Sure, let's say um, Wheeler. I'm sure you can edit in post. Okay. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so we'll fix it in post. Um, that he shot all the exteriors which are shot, like Sherwood Forest is all upshot in Chico, like 400 miles north of Los Angeles. It's oh, wow. bizarre that they went all the way up to Chico. Yeah,
3: I th- I'd heard too that they actually shot, they did some pickup shots in Griffith Park. Oh, they did, and I they did also that.
0: out in Pasadena at what used to be, Bush Gardens, which is not there anymore, but that's where they shot the uh, some of the exteriors were gone with the wind and other stuff there. Mm-hmm. But the majority of Sherwood Forest is in Chico, and so that was the first director. But by the time we get onto the interior shots and the set stuff, now we got Michael Curtiz. Yeah, and you can tell by the camera angles and the use of shadows and the lighting is just we get to kind of a new level here. Yeah. So the trap is ready, <laughs> and Robin Hood is going to fight his way out of the oh, castle yeah. against yeah.
3: unbelievable odds. <laughs> of course, he is
0: and it's funny I love the way Errol Flynn fights it is just aggressive and just
3: charging at people and fearless yeah and uses the environment you know jumping on drapes and things and up the stairs down the wall
0: and then he does the great run to the gate and says you gotta stop him you gotta you know something's (laughs) coming and he runs outside as they close the gate that's great yeah that's great um gets back to sherwood forest and does the okay pass the word for everyone who's ever been trotted on let's let's get the guys together we're gonna have a revolt right back in sherwood forest robin hood wants to walk across this log yep there's this other guy on the other side of the log. oh yeah little john alan hale senior right who who looks like the skipper Oh, look, yes, you can exactly. see all, you definitely see the Skipper. Yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. Yeah. And, of course, I knew the Skipper a lot better than I knew Alan well, Hill, sure, sure. From, from when I grew up. Yeah.
3: Skipper Here's... used to had a restaurant in La Cienega. The, oh, really? The, oh, yeah. Oh, when wow. I first moved out here, there was this, it Was I can't think of the, the name of it, it was a seafood restaurant. Of course. It was right on La Cienega. <laughs> right. Yeah. It was right off La Cienega, and Melrose. And uh, I think we might have been... I think it was called McHale. No, I forget the name of it. But he's he he he's there. He was oh, there. Yeah. Oh, be there. He'd be standing up front sometimes. You know. Because, oh my God, it's you know. Yeah, wow, that's crazy.
2: For you kids listening, we're talking about Gilligan's Island. Skipper <laughs> right. was Alan Hale Jr., who right. is, is the son of Alan Hale, who plays Little John in the movie. Yeah?
0: Here's again things that I didn't know. <laughs> yeah. So there have been a bunch of Robin Hood movies in Hollywood previous to this, and the biggest, most important one is Douglas Fairbanks, right? Uh, and the person who played Little John in the Douglas Fairbanks movie is Alan Hill Sr. Oh, wow. Yeah. And he played Little John later in the 50s in some other Robin Hood movie. So he played, as the only (laughs) person I know in history. He made a career (laughs) out of playing Little John. He played Little John. And he's on this log. <laughs> I can do and, it better. I can do it better. Give me another <laughs> chance. Sure. I can do it better. <laughs> and, and, and Robin comes up on the log. We get some quarterstaffs,
2: and we have a quarterstaff mm. battle. It's just scary. That battle is way quicker than I remember it, and it looks like Errol is like barely hanging on. It like, really does. But not getting his hands crushed. Yeah, he yeah. talks
3: a lot about. All the and another time in the book, where he talks about when he was doing charge of the Light Brigade, where literally, oh, yeah. you know, these guys are really, you know, back those were the days when they were tripping horses and stuff. Right. And and he said he witnessed the thing where where they tripped the horse and the stunt rider they were trained to do this they would throw the saber so that you so that you get get rid of it right he says it was this freak thing where he throws the saber he the horse gets tripped the stunt guy flies off the horse and the saber lands on its hilt oh wow with the blade up and this guy impales himself oh Oh my god and was killed This is the kind of stuff that was going on in Hollywood. So, I mean, this is a little departure from Robin Hood, but it shows you the kinds (laughs) of things, you know. So whacking a stick on a log was nothing, you know. I mean, it was like...
0: Well, but it, it does, I mean, in Robin Hood, if you look at some of the stunts, you know, some of these guys jumping out of a high tree on oh, oh, yeah. a guy with a horse. Right. So yeah. you think about the way a stunt is done today where they've got computers out and math and they're like, okay, right. this is going to move at 17 mm-hmm. miles an hour at this thing. And this is like, I'm just going to jump on yeah. that dude's yeah. yeah. horse. Right, yeah.
3: get that guy. Like you, you, the gymnast, get him <laughs> We're going to hope for the
2: best. But later falling down those concrete stairs. Like, that's right. not you no. And, know, joke, and yeah. you can
3: see that Flynn did a lot of yes. things. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was no yeah. cheating there. You saw that he was in the water. He was whacking yeah. that guy. I mean, Absolutely. And, and it's funny. So this fight scene, to me, is so... Sets up what Robin Hood
0: is about, which mm. is we're having fun. Right? Mm-hmm. There's no sense that these guys want to hurt each other. No. This is this is manly, manly fun, right. <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, Little John wins, knocks Robin into the water, and immediately it's like, oh, you're Robin Hood. I You've want to join the- me, <laughs> you have joined me. I love you for it. <laughs> that's great stuff. Yeah, that's great stuff.
2: And he pulls uh, off those yellow tights really well. Yeah, Because they are not easy to do. Oh no no. <laughs> Yeah, that,
0: we, maybe we should take a moment to honor the tights. Yeah, I mean, the tights or, are made. Hey,
3: look, Mel Brooks wound up making a whole homage <laughs> to true, it, right? That's true. Yeah, Robin those, Hood, is, that's right. those are some tights.
0: serious green tights.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean, but but again, he's, not everybody could pull that off. Right. You know, he did. He's, yeah. he's got nice legs. He's, he's got, got nice legs, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Uh,
0: we see much more of his legs than Olivia de Havilland's in the show. Sure. Exactly. That's the way um, it was back then. It, well, well, much is going out talking to the peasants saying, hey, come on, meet Robin Hood. At the same time, we're having this proclamation... We're going to go kill Robin Hood, which is a great juxtaposition. And now we have in Sherwood Forest, and Robin Hood gives his big speech. This is like, again, this is the classic hero stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
4: Now, this forest is wide. It can shelter and clothe and feed a band of good determined men, good swordsmen, good archers, good fighters. Men, if you're willing to fight for our people, I want you. Are you with me? Then kneel and swear this oath you the free men of this forest swear to despoil the rich only to give to the poor to shelter the old and the helpless to protect all women rich or poor norman or saxon swear to fight for a free england to protect her loyally until the return of our king and sovereign richard the lionheart and swear to fight to the death against our oppressors
0: and this is where we hear this philosophy of we're going to take from the rich and give to the poor yeah. a a very controversial philosophy throughout history. Yes. You know, Um, and uh, they swear this oath. uh, And now we start to see them rescuing people. Uh, There's these people being, you know, the Saxons are being tortured. Where's Robin Hood? They're raising taxes. And out of nowhere, Yeah, yeah. (laughs) There's
3: a lot of that going on.
0: Yeah. And uh, it's funny. So this is a new way of shooting people with arrows. Mm. Uh, There's a guy whose name is uh, Howard Hill, he's the he a world class archer. He's the archer guy, archery guy on this movie. And previous, the way they usually would do arrows, they stick an arrow in someone's chest and they'd have a string attached to it. They pull it out and they'd show it in reverse. Mm. And that's the simplest, easy way to do it. These guys are really getting shot with arrows.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah,
0: is that they ha- they're wearing like kind of a padded shirt. You Sometimes know. you even can see it. You can yeah. see the pad. Yeah. Uh, oh, a couple yeah. Of, and then it's yeah. balsa wood and then it's a steel plate and then it's a pad. Yeah. Um so but that's just uh uh wow. that's just Howard Hill shooting yeah. a dude with an arrow. I love it. <laughs> that's that's the way to do it.
2: That's that's also one of the things that's incredible about the movie is that he is killing people. Like Robin is absolutely oh, killing yeah. people with his oh, arrow yeah. and everything yeah. like that. Yeah. But it's yeah. played with such fun that you never oh, yeah. feel the deaths of these people yeah. at all. No, I mean, even when they show them with their sword, with their shields on top of them and they're honoring them in that scene later, you don't you don't necessarily feel the deaths because no. he's such a swashbuckling guy. You don't no. you know
0: feel the pain of it. Well, this is the difference in style of movie. Yeah, is yeah. like is that you know we we just did Iron
3: Man. A little while ago, yeah. he kills a whole bunch of people. Yes, he does. Well, or even go back to Indiana Jones. The, yeah, the, the, the oh, yeah. one scene everybody remembers is when he when he when he when the guy's coming at him with the sword and he just pulls the gun and shoots. Right, him. right. And it's like that's like the classic scene, but yeah. you don't realize, but the guy's You just kill him. But, <laughs> but yet, it's it, it was reminiscent of, of those kind of Robin. Hood yeah, movies. but
0: this is eventually. the thing that's interesting about movies is there's some movies where you're going to feel that death, and there's mm. some movies where you're not. Right. You know, and that's the design is that, and, and for whatever reason, we as an audience member get it. We go like, oh, this one, that's fine. Yeah. And then there's other movies. Uh, we just did The Dirty Dozen. Yeah, okay. And in The Dirty Dozen, in the end, you do feel all those stuff. Sometimes
3: the common denominator or, or, or what sets it apart is, is, is actually blood. Yeah. yeah, I mean, if if it's a bloodless killing, you kind of buy it. It's like the old movies, where you're just like, oh, you know, you fall over, right. oh, you you do all the contortions you want, but as long as you don't see a trickle of anything, yeah. then right. it's like, oh, then the kid's like, oh, he's really is dead.
0: Yeah, and it's also it's also sort of the reaction shots and the right. and music and how we're exactly you know are we moving on right away? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're dead, and here yeah, goes yeah, another yeah, one. As long the music's the- going, and it's all good. And now we get to meet our our next big character. Uh, there's this friar who's uh, uh who's, talk. Let's do a little fishing. Give me back my
3: mutton joint. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Robber thief. Give me back my mutton joint.
3: Oh I still remember that line.
0: <laughs> Eugene Eugene Pellett. Right. Yeah. Uh and we t- we saw him in because we did Mr. Smith Goes yeah. to Washington, and he his voice is
3: just one of the great voices of all oh, time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My Fat Tony on the Simpsons is uh, there's a little of Gene in there. I mean, oh, little, they... I mean, a little bit of that. You know, I I, I get it more down in here. You know, but <laughs> but but it's the guys like that. <laughs> Well, this is, you know, coming from that
0: era when there's radio, I think voice yeah, yeah. casting oh, yeah. was a bigger thing Without than it is question. now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that you'd have these voices, which is interesting because Eugene Paulette started in silent films. He's in D.W. Griffin's Intolerance. Really? Wow. And he played Aramis with Douglas Fairbanks in The Three Musketeers. No kidding. As a young guy, he's like a sword fighting Whoa. hero. Yeah. I
3: can see it. Yeah. Because he actually handled the sword pretty well in the really scene well, with Daryl. Really right. Really well. <laughs>
0: Uh, and the fight is very similar tonally to the Little John fight. Mm-hmm. We're having fun. Yeah, We're not trying to kill no, each other. No, of course not. No, we're having a good time. Um, and uh, Will arrives to tell us that, okay, Guy of Gisborne is coming. He's got the tax money. He's got Lady Marion with him. And we're going to set up a big ambush. I love this ambush.
3: Mm. It yeah. is great. Oh, it's just yeah. really yeah. fantastic. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, and it's this is complicated. we got yeah. a lot of dudes on a lot of vines, <laughs> yeah, and ropes, and people in
3: trees. Carriages and...
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, one other just great piece of trivia that I found out. So Olivia de Havilland's horse. That's Trigger. Oh, really? That's the horse that oh, became Trigger. Oh, how great wow. is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just, that's just amazing to <laughs> that's me. That's awesome, yeah. Yeah, um, and so this ambush happens, and they're swinging in on these ropes and dropping out of trees. And you know what the thing that it made me think of was? Ewoks, oh, from Jedi, it's totally the Ewok attack in wow. Jedi, and I really wonder if George Lucas. I'm sure George, George Lucas I would had to love so. this movie. I would think
3: he's inspired. He have to be. And just yeah. same thing, like I said with again, even going back to like movies like Indiana Jones. And stuff. Yeah. they had to be inspired. By, this by these kinds of movies. Yeah. yeah, had to be. That's where you get it from.
0: Yeah, yeah. and we have a, yet our third great, Errol Flynn Robin Hood entrance, <laughs> swinging up on that vine.
3: Show it, my lady oh yeah, that was it that's the poster almost that's yeah, the one it's the know. best, yeah, it's the best man, this guy's just fearless, right. he's completely fearless
0: Either we head off to go to camp, Marion does not like him,
3: no. She's well, not she's a man, but p- p- playing very hard to get at that point.
0: <laughs> 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 Extremely. Yeah. Um, but uh, as opposed to Much and Bess, Marion's Lady of winning, so they right. hit it off right away. Two, yeah.
3: again, two great two Shakespearean characters. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like The Nurse and the Romeo and Juliet. I mean, you right. get these two great characters with, uh, with, with those two. Yeah. A little comic relief, you know, and he's like, yeah. "Well,
2: he isn't he like a like in Macbeth. There's that guard of the how or the yeah the plate, gates, the gatekeeper. gatekeeper, the gatekeeper. Yeah. It's kind of like that. You've yeah. This a great point you bring up, Joe. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, uh, we get back to to camp. We're sharing out the goods. We're having yeah. a big party. Robin's talking to Marion. She's having none of it. Right. <laughs> she won't eat. She's just like, you're an evil person. Right.
4: Yes, why not? I suppose you and your band of cutthroats intend to send this treasure to Richard? You wouldn't dream of keeping it yourselves.
0: And I think the turn happens when she thinks they're stealing all the gold for themselves. Right. And the gold is supposed to go to Richard, which John really wasn't sending it to Richard. He was going to just keep it. Um, And Robin stands up and says... (laughs)
4: do we do with this treasure divided amongst ourselves Hold it for a turn. It to
1: the
3: and that's where the turn starts you see the turn right. start mm-hmm. with marion and then when then then when he says here let me show you and then she goes she just want to go because yeah. they're yeah. afraid then she goes and he shows show then he, that's when the movie gets serious and he takes yeah. and shows the the people that have been tortured and mm-hmm. stolen from them and...
4: hardly an inspiring sight for such pretty eyes as yours i'm sure But these poor devils have all had their homes burned. Their families beaten and starved to death by your tax gatherers. Bless you, Robert. We'll never forget you. Oh,
2: thanks, master.
4: May we be worthy, Robert. You are, mother. You are.
3: And that's that's another great moment because he because it'll take you from all that frivolity and this and excitement and all of a sudden it gets somber and serious and it's like oh okay you know. yeah. well and this is why it's so important as as you pointed out John the that Mary calls him a
0: Saxon dog at the yeah, beginning yeah. she is bought into the paradigm of Normans and Saxons that she's been taught right. and this is the moment where she goes oh shit right yeah I, I was wrong.
2: Yeah, and yeah. this also speaks to Joe's earlier point that he can do dramatic scenes when he was given yeah, the chance. In this absolutely. scene when he's walking Marion through this or Olivia de Havilland, you see Errol's uh, real like
0: statesmanship and, and leadership oh, of yeah. these people coming through when they're gonna the little bit more up
3: the boat. Thank
0: you, Robin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. little old lady. <laughs> oh my God. And little old where she little God. And there's this one where she says, well, what's your reward? And that's a great Errol yeah. Flynn acting moment because his response is, "Oh, you really, you really don't understand." Yeah, right. How have you not understood? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's this is and and that's it. Marion has turned the corner because <laughs> <Right. Yeah>, <laughs> he even says, that, I think I do." <laughs> yeah. He finally yeah. does get it. Uh, so we release them all. Mm-hmm. Um, got, uh, Guy and the sheriff. We haven't talked about the sheriff of Nottingham. We have to talk about him. a little Oh, he's bit. so great. Yeah. great! Great, great co- comic relief. Um, and very different from what yeah. you would expect. <laughs> yeah. and, and constantly, like, going, as soon as there's action, he's, like, fading into the <laughs> yeah. background. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. like that Simpsons where Homer's fading into the bushes. <laughs> into That's the bushes. basically <laughs> what he's doing, right? Yeah, it's great. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: My favorite is when he puts his cape over uh, over <laughs> Prince John's. Like, if
0: only I could reach Robin. And he's like, he's
2: totally like two feet away. Yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant.
0: It's great. It's great. Uh, so they're back with King John, and and they've been dressed in sort of rags and stuff, and yeah. complaining about Robin. And it's the Sheriff of Nottingham that comes up with the plan. Right. We're going to have an archery contest, right. yep. and he even kind of is noticing that. Oh, I think there's a little thing with Marion. That's right. good. So we'll have her right. present the golden arrow. The golden arrow, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this is, of course, uh, one of the classic stories out of the out of the ballads of robin hood um and uh we're gonna have our big archery contest and as we're sitting there and we have big fanfare lots huge crowds this is also shot by michael curtis um you could see marion start to realize oh shit this is a trap yeah yeah and income, Robin.
3: It's really not much of a disguise. No, I was just gonna say they all come. In, he's the he's the only good-looking guy in the group. He, even his hood is looks nice, you know. Yeah. And they all come walking in as a group, and it's like, yeah, it was like a posse coming in. It was like, well, it, all, all you did was not wear green. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like yeah, basically, exactly. he yeah. doesn't have a fake beard. There's no right. nothing. No, no, no. Yeah. The, the, That's what I mean. He's giving us those, those furtive glances. Of, <laughs> like, I wonder if they're on to me, you know. Um, yeah. He's a good-looking tinker. As right. for sure. He sure <laughs> is. That's the tinker, right. <laughs> uh, we
0: have our archery contest. Of course, we come down to the final two archers, and we get the moment, which is, I'd say, one of the top classic Robin yeah. Hood moments. To split the arrow. He yeah. split the arrow. Yeah. It's great. And I remember watching a whole Mythbusters where they said, is it possible to split an arrow? And I honestly, at this moment, cannot remember if they were able to do it.
3: Yeah. Yeah, we're going to have to do it. We, 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 my, my, my assistant, Dan, has the show Hollywood Weapons that he mm-hmm. produced. Where we, This is exactly what we do. We, we yeah. take things like that and see, the, Dan, make a note. We got to do Robin Hood. <laughs> we have to split the arrow. Because because uh, we found out like you could... The, you know, the, the, the Clint Eastwood movie where the guy gets hung and he shoots the gun and oh, yeah. we, we did it on the la- last season's episode one of the episodes and it can be done it was wow. done wow. the only thing is the bullet was, the guy was our, at the start of the show was a sniper was a, a, Davey, or a Green Beret sniper so he's so good that the bullet went through, through the rope, the rope. Oh. and the rope still held because it made a perfect did you have to get a higher caliber weapon we or used or the you... exactly caliber they used in the movie it was oh, like a sharps course. rifle oh. and we had to duplicate it exactly so, but what it showed is it is possible. That's so, uh, so splitting the arrow, of course, is possible. You just got to hit the arrow. Yeah. Um, but guy, you know, you shoot enough time to do it under one first <laughs> shot. That's, that's where you're going, taking a little theatrical license. Yeah, it's, well, of it's Robin Hood. It's yeah, Robin Hood. Right. The Tinker.
0: <laughs> the Tinker. Do <laughs> these things.
3: Um, by the way, that's his hubris, isn't
2: it? Like Robin's, like, oh sure, I'm going to go get this golden arrow, and he knows it's a trap. That's why oh, exactly. he's disguised. That's well, why. Well,
3: yeah. oh, this is what
0: I'm saying about. him. he hubris. does not have a good no, plan. He no, 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 no. He keeps walking. He doesn't
3: think it out too well. No.
0: Well, and he's put, I mean, like if we were to take this realistically for a
3: moment, which we shouldn't, right, right, but, right, but right.
0: he's putting all of his men in danger.
3: I can see Will Scarlet going, oh, God. Okay. All right. All Again, right. Come on, okay. Is that what we're going to do? Okay. Yeah, you remember we actually
0: have a rebellion? I'll play here. Queen mandolin and getting- in the back Hope <laughs> for the best. So of course he wins the contest, he goes up, Mary presents him with the arrow, and everybody knows this is Robin Hood. There's oh, no, of no there's no like oh right. I fooled him. Yeah. yeah. And again we have the guards are closing in, very similar to that scene at the feast. and Robin's kind of looking around and the merry men are looking around. And a guy comes up and slaps his face. And I love that the sheriff goes, oh, that looks like a good idea. And gets kicked right in the chest. Yeah. <laughs> right. Bang. Um, and then Robin tries to escape. He, he makes a good attempt. Mm. Yeah. He gives a college try. <laughs> I'm going to say that King John's guards are not that good. <laughs> they not need right. some more, no, some more training. But they still, they drag him off a horse. and They got him. And, that's, and Robin Hood's been captured. Yeah. He mm-hmm. goes on trial. Right. That's it. We're going to have to execute you. Uh, and this is where Marion becomes a hero, yeah, yeah. Uh, she finds out from Bess where the merry men hang out. By the way, I have a problem with Marion and the merry men. I keep like my just my <laughs> mouth doesn't handle it very well. Uh, and she goes off to the to this inn and you know with it says you've got to help Robin Hood, of course, they don't trust her at first. Friar Tuck talks to her.
4: You're a good daughter of the church. You swear by our lady that you want to help Robin. I swear, good father. Have you thought of a way? Yes. Can you get us into the castle? That would do no good. He's too heavily guarded. But I thought of another way. Listen to me,
0: Marion, Unlike Robin Hood, has a plan. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Well, it's you know
3: brains and brawn. With apparently, apparently. They good, they got the, their kid would have been great. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think we have a movie here. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> the son of Robin
0: Hood. Yes. Right? So uh, it's the day of the hanging. Uh, Robin is getting brought out and this is, and again, this is Michael Curtiz. One of the things that you really see with him is these, uh, interesting can- camera angles, low angles, uh, Dutch angles, things with the objects in the foreground. And you really see it in this sequence. Robin's looking around and he sees the merry man. And he goes, okay, we're going to, we're going to be all right. Yeah. And there's some great stunts in this sequence, yeah. in this action sequence. I love, and it's a stunt man, but, uh, Robin Hood with his hands tied behind yeah. his back, jumping on that horse. Mm-hmm. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah. And and the great one is him. They're at the portcullis, the big, huge gate. And Robin cuts the rope on the gate. And not only does he get pulled up by the rope, but he's actually climbing the rope doing oh, it. Oh,
3: yeah. That is great. Yeah. And I think it's going down. He's going up. It's, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And that's also stuntman.
0: And that is a reference, if you watch, which I have never seen, but I've seen clips of it, the original Fairbanks one. He does Ooh. a very similar stunt. Yeah. yeah. So they're referencing that. Um, well, and what 's great about the stunts in the film is that they do the right mix of choreography and what looks like
2: impromptu right in it right, right. it 's clean but messy at the same time like it would be normally if you were to see it in real life so right. as fantastical as the film is, it still brings an
0: element of realism in certain moments and certainly in the stunt moments it does right yeah. Well, that's this thing i mean when you jump drop out of a tree yeah. onto a dude on a horse yeah. there's no way to control what's going to happen right yeah. you know you don't and, and and i feel bad for the horse yeah because the horse <laughs> the, horses, gun, the, the, the horse is just standing there the, the dude knew bag. that this someone was, was coming this
3: before before you know the asps no 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 every animal was harmed in this <laughs> yeah <point. laughs>
0: um And naturally, since Robin has just barely escaped from his previous bad plan, what does he do? He goes back to the castle, climbs up the wall of the castle to talk to Marianne. Well, sure. (laughs) This this scene is great. It's a a lovely scene. It's a very romantic scene. It's the Romeo and Juliet scene. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And she's denying being in love with him. He goes, okay, well, I'll just have to jump out the window then. No, no. (laughs) Yeah.
4: Now let me see. There's a fat old captain of the guard down there with bow legs. Hmm. If I drop on him, that'll bend him out worse. Ah, there's an archer. No, he's too thin. I might miss him altogether. Robin! The very thing! Five men at arms, talking in a group. They'll break the fall beautifully. Goodbye, my lady. Robin! Yes? Please. Then you do love me, don't you? Don't you? You know I do.
3: Well, that's different. It's great. And, you do love me, then.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and, do you remember Do you remember having a crush on it when you saw it the first? Like, was that something that you remember developing? Or was it she just one of those, like, she, you couldn't even have a crush on her because she's so regal, so just incredibly beautiful. I think beautiful. it was more that.
3: Yeah. She was too much. She was too good for me. <laughs> I mean, I'm a young guy from Cicero. What <laughs> chance have I got? You know. No, I, would, I, I worship that from afar. Yeah. You know? All
0: right. Um, uh, the music, again, in this scene is great. Uh, and the composer's Eric Korngold. And I have to tell some a story that I read about him. There's actually two stories like this that have to do with this film.
3: And he did he did the Captain Blood too. He did oh, Captain wow. Blood too. Yeah.
0: And he was an Austrian um, you know, prodigy composer, wrote operas, very famous. And in they fly him from Austria to the United States and say, We want you to do Robin Hood. He watches the movie, he says, I can't do this. This is this is all action. It's not what I do. I can't it would be terrible. I would hate myself. I can't do it. <laughs> And he goes back to his hotel or whatever, and the head of music for Warner Brothers goes to the hotel to try to convince him, please, no, you had to do this. The same hour this guy shows up is when H- Hitler and the Nazis take over Austria. Wow. And suddenly his son and his wife, I think, and some of his family who are Jewish are trapped in Austria. Oh, and What a lucky break. I know. <laughs> and,
3: and Warner Brothers gets him out. Wow. And, oh, he does, wow. and he, he does did. Robin Hood. Oh, great. Yeah. Meant to be. Yeah. Wow. And, and, and I mean, it's not, brilliant. I mean, I have the soundtrack just for that. The score is amazing, it's just amazing.
0: And what's really crazy is so Michael Curtiz uh, grew up in Austria-Hungary when there was Austria-Hungary, was in the First World War as a filmmaker. He made 64 films in Europe before coming to the U.S. Oh, I didn't know that. Came to the U.S. and made 101 films in the U.S. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, many of whom which have been lost. When he first got here in the 20s and uh, in, in the silent era, he just never said no. So he made six films a year
3: <sighs> Yeah, a back while. then they did. The actors yeah, still, well, they too, did too, you know.
0: And again- it's, it's, he's also Jewish, and when World War II starts, Warner Brothers gets some of his family out. Wow! Yeah, oh, wow! Yeah. So that's you know whatever you say about the
3: studio system, <laughs> and whatever might be said about Jack Warner. Oh no, well that's true. Well, the thing is, Flynn talked about. He said, he, "It's funny. I'm a member of, of Lakeside Country Club here, mm-hmm. and, and back then it was uh, it was restricted. Yeah, you know. And Flynn talks about it in the book. He says he says Warner there was there was an animosity between Warner and 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 Arrow mainly f- partly for the fact sure. that Errol was a member of that country club because it's right, right across the street from Warner Brothers. Right. Mar- and, and when I and one of the, one of the things I, I I pride of being a member there is there's the. F- photos of all the members right, up in the yeah. bar in the men's bar and Harold Flynn's up there yeah. you know and I've, I've already kind of hinted that I would kind of like mine to put <laughs> next to his, if possible we can kind of move that. that guy's been dead a long time the guy next to him let's put me in up in there but uh, but the thing is but what was funny is Errol at the time didn't even you know that, he didn't care he didn't know, he didn't know it was no. restricted I mean yeah. it was like he can give a shit about uh, well how uh, would you know I yeah, mean yeah, unless you you know my family would know
0: Yeah, but how would Harold
3: Flynn yeah no, he right, would have right known, known but uh, but you're but you're right the the uh, the, the moguls is as much as you heard of the bad aspect of them there was that great uh, i mean mm-hmm. uh, they, to me they made hollywood they were there were big, no question big about it. about
0: it. yeah absolutely um so we end up at this inn and we see these characters talking and we don't know who these people are they're right. sort of wearing cloaks Right. And they're having some conversation. They kind of are finding out about the issues between Normans and Saxons, and they've been hearing this name of Robin Hood. And who walks in? But the bishop, who's someone we haven't talked about, right. but another one of the King John supporters, right? And he starts complaining about Robin Hood. And then we, the bishop, overhears them saying the word "sire." Right. Mm. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, who is this guy? Yeah. Because uh, we know that King Richard has been gone, and we know right. that he was captured by Austria and. Uh yeah, who is yeah. this guy? Yeah. Um and so the bishop goes back to King John and says King Richard is in town. And and it's I, I keep saying King John. It's Prince John. Yeah, Prince John. Prince John. Uh, um because Prince John would like to be King John. Yeah, he mm-hmm. wants to move up. <laughs> yeah.
3: he wants to get up the food chain as quickly as possible. Yeah.
0: And uh so he uh says, "Well, let's Let's get rid of Richard. He doesn't have an army with him. Right. Let's let's kill him. And there's this knight who looks very dastardly. Yes. I think Dickon. I think his name is Dickon. Dickon. And well, he'll do it. And if he does it, well, he can have Robin of Locksley's lands and titles. Right. Right. And we well, throw in
2: this motivation aspect because the uh, King Richard had taken his lands and Dickon's all this all his stuff because oh, that's right. I he, I he was he was uh, disgraceful in his service as a, as a knight right. so he took it away from him so this was his way of like reestablishing himself and right. it's nothing like there's nothing like creating an assassin that has a extra motivation yeah. that's how I create all my assassins <laughs> exactly yeah.
3: and I love the fact that Dickon he really is he looks like a formidable guy. Yeah. You know, he, does. He's, 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 he looks a he so formidable And what I love is that Robin sends Munch, or, you know, the, yeah. the, 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 the littlest guy, the guy that's kind of like the, you know, <laughs> right. rather than sending, it's like, you know, it's not like Battle the of little the Titans. Titan yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. sending this little guy over there who, who's who got to use his, you know, his wiliness. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like sending a, a featherweight boxer against the heavyweight. You know, but you got it, you know? Munch yeah, is, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, is motivated. Oh, he is motivated.
0: Um, And uh, who overhears this plan to kill uh the king Marion right. in the background and they sort and they see that she might have overheard it right. she runs upstairs she talks to bess she writes a note mm-hmm. she's like okay we got to warn robin there the king is here blah 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 and then uh who knocks on the door but basil rathbone right, right. Yeah, I guess she what. hides the note in this little case and basil walks in man he knows that notes in yeah that he case puts it right king. on the case he's, <laughs> he's
3: toying with her yeah
4: you're very charming lady marian but not exactly clever for instance, you couldn't possibly have failed to overhear what Prince John and I were talking about just now. No, oh, no, no, no. Please don't trouble deny it. And your first thought as Richard's loyal ward was to warn him. Hmm? Am I not right? Why, how could I warn Richard? How did Loxley and his men arrange his escape from hanging after the archery match? Someone here in the castle must have got word to him. That's ridiculous. And you do intend to warn him, don't you?
0: Don't you? No. And then opens up the case, and now you have committed treason. Right. right. Yeah. And they put Maid Marion on trial. Oh, yeah. What's interesting in that scene is that she thinks she's safe, because she is a ward of the king. Right. right. And John's like, well, not, not for long. Not for long. <laughs>
3: um,
0: Which and- is
2: weird, because they say 48 hours. That kind of took me out of the l- l- movie a little bit, because I wasn't sure how they were gauging time back during that time. You know, I'm sure they didn't have... Clocks or anything like that, so or watches rather. So when they said 48 hours, like that's such a random 48 hours, okay, twice around the sun. Died. <laughs> yeah, 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 that I would have accepted. <laughs> yes.
0: You're saying this movie might not be accurate. No, <laughs> <Well>, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're
3: not c- too concerned with the time frame that's right true. now. That's true. Um, so uh, Bess,
0: uh, the lady in waiting, she runs off, she finds Much who's gonna warn Robin. Yeah. We hear about Dickon, and then we get to this moment you were talking about where and that I've been talking about too. Much jumps out of that tree, yeah. man, he goes toe to toe with you. Dickin. Don't know what,
3: what's great is the. Again, Curtis uh, was smart enough to like what happened. Yeah. Know, was he successful? You know? And especially when we see much again who's yeah. lying in a heap on the yeah. ground. You don't know if he's alive or dead. No, it, it's, yeah.
0: it's, 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 I think that's a brilliant choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not, well, it, exactly. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, we're back with Robin and who shows up at these monks in black robes. Mm. Uh, which of course we know is Richard in disguise and uh, the merry men appear and we are taking them and there's this great sort of banter where it seems like Robin's trying to find out what side are you on Mm -hmm. you know and once he kind of hears that this he says you know do you love Richard
4: are you friendly to our good king Richard I love no man better
0: And then Robin's like, okay, you're one of the team. Come on and join us. Uh, At which point... And we're uh, only going to take half your stuff. We're We're not going to take all of it. We're going to take 30 instead of 60.
3: (laughs) Well, this is the problem with Robin from the rich. It's like like Colonel Parker with Elvis. I'm
0: (laughs) I'm going to get half. (laughs) (laughs) It's not a bad deal. Robin is going off with Richard and the Merry Men, and they're talking about King John. And... Richard says, Oh, so you blame King John? And Robin says, No, I blame Richard.
4: No, I blame Richard. His task was here at home, defending his own people instead of deserting him to fight in foreign lands. What, you condemn Holy Crusades? Aye, I'll condemn anything that leaves the task of holding England for Richard to outlaws like me.
0: Right. Mm and it's such an important moment that is richard shouldn't have left he shouldn't have gone his place was here being king of this kingdom not yeah. going off to the crusades and i think that's key for the transfer richard thinking about himself mm-hmm. and thinking about his relationship if you think about
3: it it's it, it's it's one of the first kind of instances where we get a nice definition of the difference between church and state yeah. and it's like you know what what's what's more important here yeah do you know what i mean Let, let's separate the two and one's this is that, and this is that. You know, yeah. this is not the because he's basically saying, "Well, but this is for the crusades. This is for the church." And it's like, right. "Yeah, but you know, well, yeah, absolutely." And what's the job of the charity king? starts at home? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. is
0: is the king is is the country exist to serve the king, or does the king exist to serve the country? Yeah. Right. You know, it's a, it's a profound moment I think for Richard, both in how he thinks about himself and also how he thinks about and very apropos
3: today. I mean, yeah. obviously, yeah, I mean, absolutely. absolutely. You know, drawing a direct connection, it's like wow, this is kind of a, timely.
0: Mm. Well, you know, both in these, both in King Arthur and in Robin Hood, there's this idea of service to the greater good, right. of might for right. You know, of doing what is the correct thing, even when it's hard. Yeah, and those are. I mean, those are values that we need to continue to talk about. Right? Yeah. Um, now we find much, and he is he's wounded, he's beaten up, but apparently he's won. Yeah, which right. is great. And we go back to. um uh, the merry men and uh and will says, "Oh, and much explains that the King is in town um and so something else I found out that 's interesting. they shot a whole sequence that 's not in the movie, mm. which is that they were de- the first. They had an archery competition, which they are shot all this archery competition between Richard's men and the Merry Men, and then apparently Little John and King Richard have a fist fight, like as for fun, oh a competition. Wow. And then um, at the end of uh, Richard beats Little John, and then Robin is like, "Well, try me," and they're about to fight, and that's the moment that Will Scarlet shows up. Oh, wow. And if you look at it, because I looked at it again, you could see Rick, Robin and Richard kind of facing each other, right when Will writes that's in what he had it is right yeah and yeah. they and they and they cut all that out wow. which i find really like i, I kind of want to see that <laughs> i'd love to see the old footage of that yeah, yeah i'd love to see it um and uh and so we hear that richard is here and that he's gonna their king john's gonna prince john's gonna try to kill him and so robin's like okay get the men. you go here and you go here we're gonna have this plan and richard says, that's okay he's R- richard's gonna be all right and i know where he is and robin goes where is he and the moment he says he's here and takes off the club. oh yeah It's fantastic.
1: You don't
4: need to search for Richard, Robin. He's in good hands. The best in England. What do you mean? Where is he? Here. I I,
0: I will say something about this moment, which is that, like I said, I hadn't seen the movie in a long time. And when it started, I kind of went, is this going to be too cheesy for me? (laughs) Like it's really, you know, it's like it's really corny. Mm -hmm. And by this
3: point, I was in. I yeah.
0: was oh, yeah. 100%. It had totally won I'm me choc- over. I'm
3: choking up thinking about that, it. Mm, I mean, they got the, they're, because they're wearing the stuff with the cross on yeah, the shirts, yeah. and it's like, they're they, that's the, the Crusaders, you know. And, right. and, and there's something about
0: the true king has arrived. Yeah. That's, we all want the true king to <laughs> yeah, arrive. Right. Talk right. <laughs> um, about it. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And I think about it again. We go back to King Arthur. King yes. Arthur has that exact moment. Yep. You pull for the sword from the stone, and this is the true. Now, the, right. the person who's supposed, the just, Kind, honest, brave—the real guy who's going to make everything better. He's here, right?
3: Man, that—that's a- and that actor was great. That played Richard, yeah, because he, he kind of had that stature about yeah. him. Yep, he's like you know he he he, he reeked regalness, you know, right.
2: And he's only in the last quarter of the film, so you want to cast an actor that conveys that by yeah. sight, just immediately, yeah, exactly. you know?
3: He just seemed like the guy, the head guy. Yeah. yeah.
2: And they all, they all uh, take a knee to him, which I think right. is great. It's a great moment, shot from above. Just brilliant the way it, uh, he laid that out. Yeah.
0: Well, because... And that's what's so interesting about the character of Robin Hood. He's only being a thief and a rebel right. because Richard's not here. Right, yeah, exactly. He's,
3: yeah. he's, he can't wait to give it all up and just that's go back to the, to the mm-hmm. crib. You know? Yeah. Hang uh, with Marion.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and unfortunately... That's what we find out is that Marion is about to be executed. Yeah. We can't do a frontal assault on the castle. We don't have any uh, we don't have an army. And Robin being the sneak. This is his only good plan right? in the whole movie. He goes, Let's go get the bishop. And they, they're they're right. all now all in their black robes, yeah. marching up with the bishop to the castle. Got a knife in the bishop's back saying, Smile.
3: Yeah. And here's your script. They tell him what <laughs> to say. I love that.
0: Uh, we're getting Marion. There's a beautiful shot of Marion in the cell which is very painterly like that's a like a really lovely shot mm. john and sheriff and uh, guy they're all getting ready this is all going to go great in walks the the procession with the bishop and all of robin and his men and we're going to have the coronation and man the bishop really takes it to king john mm. yeah
4: by what authority do you john lackland prince of england claim to be crowned this day sovereign of the realm by right of blood succession according to the law of the realm is it of your own free will that you thus depose your
0: brother, Richard the Lionheart of England? And this is not what the script was supposed to be. <laughs> and Prince
2: John is mad. Well, like sure, he's yeah. like, offended that the bishop is going like, What are you asking me these questions for? And says, because I'm supposed to be king because I'm the brother. Blah, blah. So it just like it's, it, it raises the stakes
0: before you even get oh, to the yeah. battle. So it's brilliant. Yeah. And they go, oh well, Richard's dead. And then again, this reveal.
4: Richard no longer exists. From this moment forward, I, John, am king of England. Aren't
1: you a little premature, brother. Richard,
0: the Lionheart! I kind of think that Robin should have shut the hell up in this scene. <laughs> like Richard has revealed himself and and everyone went, oh my god, that's Richard. And Robin went, haha, it's me too. <laughs> and then they and now we are instantly into that fight. Scene. Yeah, well the movie is called Robin Hood. <laughs> fair right? point. It's a fair, it's a fair point. <laughs> and and immediately, uh Basil guy. Guy of Gisborne rushes Robin and we get the sword fight we've been waiting on. Yeah, great sword see. fight. One of yeah. the great sword fights. It is. It's so important in like the history of sword fights because they were really different before yeah. then. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the fight choreographer is is fred Cavins, and he choreographed everything captain blood mark of zorro like mm-hmm. all this stuff and it's it's gorgeous they, they all the going up and down the stairs right. the levels the
3: kicking over the tables yeah
0: i mean this is it this is the cool sword fighting stuff yeah 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 it's really really well
2: done and it, didn't lose the comedic aspect of it because you have much with his like Hitting people on the head with with
0: this, so that keeps you not feeling too serious about what's happening.
2: So, exactly, exactly. it's brilliant balance. Yeah, yeah.
0: And you're getting, and and you're getting, little John. You're getting, you're getting everything that we wanted out of this action sequence. Absolutely. Um, and and it's interesting too. This is there are moments in this where you can really see how good Basil is. Mm -hmm. There's like a Perry riposte, which is like, oh, that dude's fast. Oh yeah, no, he's (laughs) very
3: good. Yeah, (laughs) Flynn talked about that. He just, he was real good. Yeah,
0: he had to lose a lot. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. My favorite one, I think we brought it up before in the Cinephiles, is uh, which someday I do want to do is is Basil with Danny Kaye in the court jester oh yeah oh, wow. I, yes, I love right. that movie and that, that sword great. fight is really good
2: too. that is good yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. that is good
0: it, well,
2: the guy who, who choreographed he said he didn't want it to look like fencing anymore because that's what it had been before with Douglas Fairbanks well, right. those people so he wanted to kind of create a new style that was more realistic yeah. And this was the way to do it in Basil Rathbone no, like sure. you said, it's, the it's the funny because even when I was fencing.
3: in an acting school in the 60s yeah they still taught fencing in the acting school yes like that was like a they figure actors should know how to fence nice thought, yeah. wow, even you know, Robin, have you used they got, it? They got hell no. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean. We got pat you know, Robin who got past that back in the 30s, you know. So what are we doing fencing for? But, yeah. but I, get, I think it was more to just become aware of your body and just yeah, a, a, right. kind of the formality of all that. I mean, I, I'm glad we we did it, but it's uh, it wasn't called upon to use it much, though.
2: No. I want to see that Chrono Minds where you fence. Yeah. So I'm going like, to
3: well, that. We're <laughs> gonna work that into an episode. Unsub <laughs> fencing yeah. the unsub on guard, on <laughs> guard, unsub. We
0: <laughs> could do this. <laughs> Uh, all right, I'm in. Yeah, we, I, think, I think we're p- going to put a request in for this. please. Yeah. Um, and then, and, I, and I, was, I was watching a couple times, the sword fight ends very abruptly. Mm-hmm. I
3: thought, I was just going to say the same thing. Is the one thing about it is it, it's kind of like the climax of the sword fight is not the best it could have been mm-hmm. in terms of dramatic impact. But yet, it, you know, it's sufficient. It's good. Here, here's what I think it is. Because I was thinking about, like, well, why did they do it that way?
0: Is that there's a moment in the middle of the sword fight where Basil, where Guy loses his sword. And in the classic heroic thing, Robin gives him back his sword. Right. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, when I have sword fights to the death with people, I'm not giving anyone back their no, sword. No, sorry, you're, you're done. Yeah, That's sorry. It. I won. Um, and then there's a moment right near the end where they're up against the wall and Guy reaches for his dagger right. and, and tries to stab robin hood and what i think it and in the next second robin kills him in this really abrupt way Mm -hmm. and what i think it is is that guy violated the rules of honor by going to the dagger and robin was having fun he was having one of his fun sword fights like he Mm -hmm. always does right and now it's like oh no no game's over you're dead yes
3: that's the explanation i can't i don't know if that's true i like that explanation i'll buy that i think that's good when i see it again i'll look at it with that in mind Mm. Um, and the stunt is great when he because he goes it's right over the stunt That's a huge stunt.
2: Yeah. yeah, going right over the side. That and stunt right guy down. broke something. I forget. There oh, are I'm a lot sure of guys he did. breaking things. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, that's a big one. It's just carpet down there.
0: They. I look like they. Have, it bounced a little bit. They yes, had a little was, padding on it. It's still, it's still a big fall. Oh, yeah. Still, they didn't have like good high fall stuff. No, no, no airbags. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Uh, Robin rescues Marian's, and then we have this great shot of swords being laid down on the shields, on oh, this beautiful yeah. crane shot. That's, you know, as symbolic a war is overshot as you can get. Mm. Oh, yeah. Richard's the king. He banishes John. And then he also, after banishing John, he has this line where he says, I have further banished from my realm all injustices and oppression. <laughs> of course. Why wouldn't he? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> that guy is a good king. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Robin but, swears allegiance and he gets a pardon for his merry men. And Richard's like, Isn't there anything else you might want?
3: Yeah. Hint, hint. Right. And then he gets married. Yeah. I know. And then that last line, I love when he, when, he's, when he, they're all in the huddle, and he sneaks out. May I, may I obey you all your edicts with such, you know, whatever? <laughs> with equal pleasure. With yes. equal pleasure.
4: May yeah. I obey all your commands with equal pleasure, sire?
3: It's a perfect movie. Yeah. Yeah. It really is a perfect movie. There's no one part of the movie that I would say, oh, they should change this or this is not this it it sits down here or something. No, it no, never absolutely. sits down. Right. Uh, so, John, what are your final thoughts? Yeah,
2: I, I absolutely love revisiting this film uh, for this podcast. It was nice to because I, I think it's been about a year since I bought it on Blu-ray because it came out with a remastered version, which is fantastically beautiful. And when you read about how they created this film and the Technicolor and how it was laborious and bringing all those sure. cameras, you saw the lot, a lot of effort and love put into this film. and It comes through on screen when you're watching it. And I also think it's 1938. We're just out of the Depression FDR is about to come in. There's a lot here that you can explore about what's happening in our current country at that time socially and politically if you're looking through this whole film, which I think is what always decorates the great ones. There's always something they're saying beyond the, the happiness and the joy and the fun. There's something they're saying about what uh, Joe just brought up, the separation of church and state. It's subtle. It's there. You don't have to make a big deal out of it. If you catch it, you catch it. You don't need to catch it. And I think that's what the amazing, great films do. And this is one of them. Errol Flynn is... This is the height. Every every fantastic great actor has one film that they are a hundred percent known for. This is him at his height, Olivia de Havilland, all just so beautiful and it's unfortunate when you read later on what happens to him later, but here you can enjoy him captured in pristine form at the height of his joy, and it's a it's a vibrant film. If you're listening to us, because some people listen to us before they see the film, if you, I encourage you a thousand percent to go and watch this. If you can see it in a the theater in Revival House, do so. If you can't, get the Blu-ray and watch it as on the biggest screen as you can, because it is a fantastic film that you will enjoy, and you, I will challenge you to not walk away with a smile on your face when right. you finish watching it. Right. So.
0: I think for me, the thing I kept thinking about is that we go to see movies for different reasons. You know, sometimes Mm. we go to see movies to learn profound lessons. Sometimes we go to see movies to laugh our asses off. Sometimes we go to see movies to get scared to death. And sometimes we go to see movies to get a sense of the the adventure, a sense of the possible, a sense of the heroic. And this is a heroic film. A realistic film? No. (laughs) A heroic film, yes. Mm. And the thing is, is that... We need to see those great, crazy, unrealistic heroes sometimes because we don't have enough of that in our lives, mm-hmm. you know? It's great to see the realistic heroes. It's great to see the tragedies. All those things help, but sometimes you need this. Sometimes you need Robin Hood to swing on a rope and say, welcome to Sherwood, Yeah. you know? You need you need to see that because we gotta feel like, you know, we can be heroes mm-hmm. and that's, that's worth it.
3: Yep. Yeah, that's great. I think what you both said is really, really terrific. Because I, 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 I agree with both your, your comments in, uh, in, in every respect. I mean, it's it's just yeah, it's 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 escapism in its, you know, greatest form. And and to me, and also, it's a, it's a testament to a time of our country. I mean, I, I mean, you know, we've been around a relatively short period of time mm-hmm. in, in terms of world history. Yeah. So you know, two hundred plus years, as opposed to hundreds and thousands in some cultures, uh, and and because of that, I, I think even just in my lifetime, I think of where where our strengths as a country has 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 lain la- la- in the sense that when I was a kid, st- st- U.S. steel, steel was mm-hmm. the thing. Cars, we built cars better than anybody. Yeah. We did a lot of stuff better than a lot of people. Now jump cuts, two thousand seventeen. We're, no, we're not necessarily known to being the greatest steel manufacturers. Right. We're not known as being necessarily the greatest car manufacturers. We've lost all of that. But the one thing we still do, we make movies mm-hmm. better than anybody. I yeah. mean, if we say when I say better, I mean on a scale going from the littlest kind of independent stuff to the huge stuff that to the point now where, when I was first thing out in the business foreign box office wasn't that big a deal right they mm-hmm. kind of was because kind of thing, and even the golden globes they thought about it, it was like a joke award and mm-hmm. all that now all of a sudden it's everything has taken on such importance because the foreign in many cases especially with films like of this genre exactly it's bigger th- it, on a world scale than it is on they don't, they don't even care what it does here in a way it's almost like yeah if it does mediocre here fine we'll really make our cash over the rest of the world mm-hmm. and so to me this is like a foreshadowing of of that in other words this is this movie is the one that they can put up as one of the ones to say well this is what caused that to happen because it lives on just like what you said yeah. it's like this film shot in the 30s I mean it was shot before World War Two, yeah. but yeah. yet it, here, here were three guys living in 2017 talking getting excited about this movie <laughs> that we saw and yeah. it's like yeah, you know it's it's antiquated in terms of of the technology that's when films are done today and stuff but to me I'll take one of these over a hundred you know, sometimes a movie that's made yesterday yeah. that doesn't have the, the the script, the heart, the music, the whole you nope. know does just like like music like a band. S- some some are one just hit wonders, some are, are classics. You know, this is a classic for a reason. And, and and to me, being in the business myself, as we all are in the business, I'm proud to say this is an industry that we still we still pretty much at a gold standard. Mm, and yeah. this movie is is one of the examples of it.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, um, that's what we think of the Adventures of Robin Hood. Of course, we always want to hear what you think. You can visit us on Facebook at the Cinephiles. That's C I N E F I L E S. You can subscribe to us on YouTube, on Stitcher, on iTunes. You can leave comments, you can leave reviews. We love to hear them. If you want to reach me, you can always reach me at SR Morris. John, where can I reach you? You guys can always reach me at the ROCA Uh You can see all the shows I'm hosting and co hosting.
2: Also, uh, contribute to our Patreon. You know, Steve Absolutely. and I. Absolutely. Uh, we, we started it a couple of months it's really been growing every month the contributions from all of you just thank you so much for the comments and the compliments and of course we will listen to the movies that you are recommending and consider it but it's a great way to keep us doing the show because it's not an inexpensive show to do and so we appreciate any dime and there's always a bunch of awards and then a bunch of amounts that you can contribute that help to the show and so we appreciate it greatly
3: and I can be reached in Sherwood Forest with my merry men and my merrier women. So if
0: you want to visit Joe, go to Sherwood Forest. Yes. Um, or
3: or, or www.joemontagna.com. There you go. Also, that's the Sherwood
0: Forest of the internet. Exactly.
3: Well, I just want to thank you so much for coming on the show. This yes. has been so much no, talking I had a, to you about I, this You movie. know what? What's funny is I did not watch the movie again. I, I, I decided I'm going to come in cold and just mm. kind of relive this through the last. And I, I probably haven't seen the movie in I don't know maybe 20 years maybe right. but 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 what I did do is I bought you talked about that Blu-ray yeah, version. Blu-ray. That made me buy a Blu-ray player. Because <laughs> oh. when it came out, they said, Robin Hood's going to be released in Blu-ray. I said, Blu-ray? This sounds interesting. What's Blu-ray? And I find <laughs> out it was just like, like super net wait to see movies. I said, well, shit, I got to go buy this. <laughs> so I went out. I bought the Robin Hood copy as soon as it came out. Yeah. And then bought the player. Yeah. But, I, but you know what? I haven't even looked at it yet. <laughs> I, I just to wanted to have it. Yeah. But I have it. But now now I'm all excited again. No, so now I, now I'm, yeah. I am going to see. So in a way, I'm glad right. we did this because it got me all jazzed up like, yeah, I want to hear it again. I want to see it. Uh, and that's why I, did, I purposely didn't want to see it before talking to you guys. Mm-hmm. I wanted to kind of just kind of, because I know it so well. I mean, I've been, yeah. I've seen it. God, I think, about it. I've been watching it since I've been ten years old. Maybe yeah. you know. So
0: you're going to go home. You're going to put that Blu-ray in, and the colors is going to be so yeah. amazing. What you're going to see, I know. because so my
3: my strongest memory of it was the time I saw it on a big screen mm-hmm. in the Clark Theater, yeah. like in mm-hmm. Chicago, with yeah. with the with the and and I've got a pretty good system now at home. I got a surround sound and the whole deal, and I got a really big. I got a you know a theater mm-hmm. uh, indoor uh, house uh, in home theater. So uh, yeah, I'm. This is going to happen very soon. <laughs> good.
0: Good. Well, let us let us know what you think of it.
2: Well, yeah, I will. Go on to yeah. hear. And, I will. And I want to say, well, let's, this has been a personal joy of mine, because I've been a personal fan of your acting since Homicide. So like oh, to me, you. it's just a pleasure to be in the same room with me. Joey Zaza and
0: all the other, oh, and a yeah. massive fan of Criminal Minds as well. So uh, this has been a great joy. My pleasure. You know, so no, no this was, this was this,
3: this, I, had, I had a good time. Great.
0: Good. All right. Well, I think that's it for this week. We will see you next time on The Cinephiles.